KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Charlotte Reese. Since the start of the pandemic, we've seen a lot of businesses close and then reopen, and some are even having to close again right now. Certain industries have done incredibly well. E-commerce went bonkers, tech companies, big box stores, but others have just been decimated. Not many have had it harder than the live music scene. For the most part, concert halls and music venues closed their doors in March and never really had a chance to open them back up. For those of us who love going to shows, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? And what's it going to take to keep these places open until live music can happen again? Philadelphia has a lot of great places to watch shows, but none are more iconic than the indie venue World Cafe Live. Hal Real is World Cafe Live's founder and CEO. So, Hal, a lot has changed since we talked back in May. But for people, just to start, right, for people who don't know who you are, or about World Cafe Live. Can we start with the basics and tell me a little bit about World Cafe Live, what you guys do, and maybe even just what an indie venue is? Sure. And thanks for having me again, Charlotte. Um, well, a lot has changed and not much has changed, so we'll get to that. I'm Hal Real. I'm the founder and the CEO of World Cafe Live, which is a live music restaurant and events venue located in University City District in Philadelphia at 3025 Walnut. Uh, we opened to the public, we opened our doors in 2004. In about a year ago, December 1, 2019, we merged our nonprofit organization, which was known as Live Connections, and now is World Cafe Live's education department, with World Cafe Live uh, into one nonprofit organization. Pre-COVID, we did about 600 ticketed shows a year. About a third of those were shows uh, that we welcomed people without charge, where we were launching new artists, new programs, and open mic nights, working with our partners who share our building on Walnut Street, WXPN, the NPR station. They have a show called World Cafe that goes to 200 stations around the country. So that's the virtual World Cafe, and we are the physical extension of that show. All about contemporary music and discovering new artists and focusing on artists who are doing new projects and things like that. So independent venues is a phrase we use, meaning that these are venues, performing arts venues, whether they're comedy clubs or they're music venues or they're performing arts centers. They are Places that have a real stage, a calendar of events, ticketed events that pay artists for their performance. And uh, the independent part really means that they are locally owned, locally controlled, not part of some multinational company. There are a few very large multinational and public companies that control about 90% of the live music industry. And that's what we are not. Mm. Uh, so decisions are made locally and staffing is done locally. And generally independent venues do all their functions themselves. Mm. So whether it's marketing, whether it's talent buying and programming, it all happens locally, not from somebody in New York or L.A. 
saying, here's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so we're small businesses and we're an integral part of our community for World Cafe Live as a nonprofit. We partner with everybody from the Philadelphia Orchestra, schools all over the city for our education programs and lots of other organizations, some quite obvious and some not so obvious. Mm-hmm. There are about 25 independent venues in Philadelphia itself, the city itself, and a number in the outlying suburbs. Nationally, the National Independent Venue Association, known as NEVA, that I helped start last April, now has almost 3,000 members Mm -hmm. from all 50 states and Washington, D.C. There are independent venues in almost every village, town, and city, from 50-seat coffee houses to 5,000-seat performing arts centers. And we talked about NEVA a little bit last time. Is there, how are you guys doing with that collective, you know, group and talking to each other? And how's World Cafe Live doing too on its own? It was interesting when you started this conversation with me today, when you said so much has changed, but but Mm -hmm. starting at the World Cafe Live level, and then we can go nationally. Actually, Not much has changed, and that's really sad. We have been totally shut down since March. Uh, Any activity we've had has really been our effort to sort of keep our pilot light lit so that our fans know we're still here. We're in hibernation, and we can't wait till we can come out of hibernation. But I I did not re-listen to what I said in June. Uh, My perspective has changed, I think, When this all started, you know, when I walked out of the building on March 13th, I got a little choked up thinking, wow, you may not have any live music in here for a month or so. And, you know, that was eight months ago. And then by the time I was talking with you in June, we stopped thinking a few weeks or a month at a time. And in June, we were coming to face the reality that it probably is going to be the fall till we can reopen. What's changed is our perspective. I now don't think we will reopen, resume full operations until at least a year from now, next October, is realistic. Because it's become more clear than ever that it's not operationally or financially feasible for us to open partially for a lot of reasons. One of them is we are shut down for public health reasons. And we certainly don't want to put our staff our artists, or our guests at risk. And now we sit here with the surge that's going on and we see that lots of places that reopened and even some venues that reopened partially in Philly because it was very limited capacity they were allowed have now had to shut down again. And that's tragic because anybody who reopened partially had to go through a lot of expense in order to be able to even do that and meet today's protocols. The reality is our business is all about people coming together. Our business is all about the interaction that happens uniquely in that moment in a live performance, people being able to relax and enjoy that. Until there is a widely accepted, distributed and proven vaccine, our our guests are not going to want to return in the kinds of numbers it takes to support our business. And we understand that. Nor are the artists going to want to tour. And we are part of a national ecosystem. So 
it's not just a question of when we can open, the whole country has to reopen because an artist like Brandy Carlisle, who we've been fortunate to host so many times, is not about to get on a tour bus just to come to Philadelphia. No, it's a very expensive undertaking. And by the way, who wants to get on a tour bus until they know that it's healthy to do so? Mm-hmm. You know, we've had thousands of artists in our 16 years, and I can't tell you how many of them moan and groan about somebody on the tour bus got a cold, and now everybody's got a cold. So certainly, with something more serious than a cold, nobody's going to take those chances. Mm-hmm. So let's, you know, be realistic about the expectations. And our challenge is to keep that pilot light lit for another 10 months or so, so that we can reopen. And we're not unique in that challenge. That's true for the independent venues all over the country. And that's a segue into what's going on with Neva. So when we started Neva in April, it was absolutely in response to the pandemic. We had several of us in the independent venue world had talked for a number of years saying we need to put a, an association together. Every other trade group has one. What's the matter with us? Well, what was the matter with us is we worked so hard for such tight margins just to keep our lights on that nobody had the resources. And as I mentioned, I'm sure before in February, when we became a nonprofit in December, I said, I'm going to dedicate some of my time and some of our resources to try to lead this group to get together. Well, in April, we had no choice. And that's a silver lining because Fast forwarding, there's almost 3,000 members of NEVA all over the country. What started as a social media hashtag for Save Our Stages has now become an act pending in Congress. It's actually been approved by the House, and it's pending in the Senate because so far it's, it's been treated not as an independent piece of legislation, but as part of a next COVID relief package. So it's an incredible story that in eight months, we went from startup to having legislation drafted that would truly help our members way more than the PPP, which really didn't do much for us or any other pending legislation. We now have over, I think, 55 or 58 co-sponsors in the Senate, both Republicans and Democrats. And we know that the act would pass if it would ever come to the floor. But we're a hostage to to the total impasse that's going on in D.C. as to any kind of legislation, in particular, another round of COVID relief legislation. If they ever turn to it, we have confidence it will pass. Unfortunately, we needed it to pass in July or August. We were counting on it by September or October. Now here we are in November, and literally hundreds of our members are announcing that they can't hold on anymore and they're permanently closing. In Pennsylvania alone, we lost a wonderful place in Pittsburgh, the Rex Theater in Pittsburgh. And we lost the Chameleon Club in Lancaster, been around for decades. They're hoping to reopen and find new space, but that's gonna be challenging in this environment. And in Philadelphia, Boot and Saddle. It's only been around seven years, but it was quickly a favorite. It was a, a, a little sister, a sibling organization to Union Transfer, a beloved venue that's larger than World Cafe Live in Philly. And the partners who had those two venues said, we, we need to make sure we can keep the candle lit for a Union Transfer. We can't afford to do both, so we're going to have to let Putin's out of 
and very sad for the whole community to see that happen. We all have our niches and we all, you know, we, we root for each other now. And in fact, we've got an organization in Philadelphia that my general manager or COO, Kerry Park runs, called Pivot, Philadelphia Independent Venues Organizing uh, Together. And that's a sort of a local NEVA chapter called Pivot, where all these venues are now working together to raise our voice within Philadelphia. And we're also working together to raise our voice at the state level in Pennsylvania. And I should mention, a lot of states have allocated some of their CARES money to support independent venues. Wisconsin, Washington, Little New Hampshire, Illinois, states all over the country have recognized the importance of this ecosystem, have recognized that if there's going to be a resilient recovery on the other side of this pandemic, we are needed because independent venues fill up the restaurants before their shows, fill up the bars before and after their shows. We put heads in beds. We're an integral part of the tourism industry. People come to our shows at World Cafe Live from all over the region. Mm-hmm. And if they're coming down from Allentown or Lancaster, they're likely to want to spend the night. And you think about the multiplier effect of, of that. And if we're all boarded up and we're all dark, it's hard to imagine a robust recovery mm-hmm. on the other side of this country. Neva remains very active at the federal level and lots of us now at our state levels and our local levels to try to make ourselves heard. We ask everybody to go to saveourstages.com. It's very easy to contact your congressman, your senator, to say, don't forget live music. Please support the Save Our Stages Act. And as you were saying about the legislation, too, how important was it to have a specific bill or a specific section just for you guys and not as an umbrella for other... It's awesome and it's mind-boggling. And frankly, our incredible lobbying firm in D.C. advised us against trying to do that because the two big industries who have their own act right now are the airline industry... I don't even know how many billions that is. And the restaurant industry, which is, I think, a $120 billion uh, funding request. And just for independent music venues and comedy clubs, we forecasted a need of about $5 billion. And so our advisor said, it's really too small to have your own act. And lo and behold, shortly after they said that to us, Republican Senator Cornyn from Texas and Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota said that they would co-sponsor a bill for Save Our Stages, that they thought our need was so different that it merited its own bill. And when we went back to our advisors and said, well, we got this phone call about actually doing federal legislation for Save Our Stages. What do we do now? Since we've been supporting the Restart Act and other things with your advice. And they said, when you get a call from the senator saying they want to write legislation, you say, thank you very much. How can we help you? And what happened that was really interesting with that, and again, kind of a silver lining, although we're stuck and we're dying for action here, it is reaffirming to know that in these eight months, our precinct captains and volunteers from our members have gotten to know every senator and member of Congress, their chief legislative director, their chief of staff. You know, we, these are real people, and we've talked about our plate. And that's how we raised our profile. So while we have so many questions right now about what's going on with our democracy, I've got to tell you, it feels really good to know that they're real people and you can have real conversations. 
Mm-hmm. And even if people didn't agree to sponsor it, they heard our story and said, if it comes up for a vote, we're not going to oppose it. And that was great. So, you know, that's that's a that's a great story. Now we need to see some action coming mm-hmm. out of it, right? Mm-hmm. The advice that we got in the strategy from our sponsors in the Senate, as I said, over 55 sponsors, and there's there's another 100 members of the House who are, who are you know, co-sponsors as well. They said, look, we need to broaden this. We need to include not just your independent venues uh, that were, you know, smaller mom and pop music venues and comedy clubs, but let's include performing arts centers. Let's include Broadway theaters so that um, we really broaden the appeal. And that made it a $10 billion bill. And then when it was included in the Democrats' Heroes 2 uh, uh, COVID relief package that passed in June or July, and the SOS Act was part of that, all of a sudden we were taken much more seriously and independent movie theaters and even minor league baseball and racetracks and all kinds of people came out of the woodwork to jump on the bandwagon. Well, we expanded this to the extent that their needs matched what we were after. And I think it's more like a $15 billion act now, but again, it's more comprehensive. And the common theme is businesses that are totally shut down Mm -hmm. with no first to close, no firm date when they're going to be able to reopen. It's a public safety, public health issue. Nobody is fighting it, but it's important to make sure these businesses can reopen when we get to resume. Mm -hmm. Again, different from what's going on with some other businesses right now. Yeah, Yeah. the U.S. Chamber of Commerce right now says 90% of American businesses have been able to reopen in polar and part. Mm. We're part of the 10% that can't reopen at all. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we're also very concerned about our employees. So we all put staff mostly on furlough when this first happened, saying, yeah, you know, wait it out, get your unemployment for a month or so, we'll be reopening and we'll hire everybody back. Well, for Little World Cafe Live, we had 93 employees and we immediately furloughed all but a dozen of us. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we've now had to say to everybody, look, don't hang around waiting for us to reopen. You know, it's no longer a furlough. Your job's terminated. We, we hate to say that. You're all family. We will keep you posted when we reopen. We hope you'll apply to come back and be part of the team, but we don't want you holding on to hope because there's just so much uncertainty out there. Mm-hmm. Is there anything going on? Speaking of support right from Harrisburg or Capitol Hill, is there things that you guys are doing right now, ways that people can maybe get involved to help you guys online, help the national effort, anything like that? Yes, we, we have a hashtag PA Save Our Stages movement going on. And Jake Wheatley, a member of the uh, Pennsylvania House, introduced a Save Our Stages Act bill in the Pennsylvania legislature a few weeks ago. We are working very hard to do at the state level what we did at the federal level to explain this you know, small sector and how important it is um, to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. There are over 100 members of NEVA in Pennsylvania, and there are totally about 200 that would qualify to be members of NEVA. It's not, uh, it's not just Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania, it's York, it's Lancaster, it's smaller towns, 
and we try to emphasize it's not a Republican issue or a Democratic issue. You know, everybody likes to go out to see a live performance, music, theater, comedy, and every village and town and city depends on the economic ripple effect of people going out to do that. But it's kind of like hand-to-hand combat. Since we're not known as a sector, we literally have to get in front of each member of the Pennsylvania Senate and each member of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. So it's a process, and Mm -hmm. we're really working hard. The governor's been supportive, but the problem really in Pennsylvania is that Pennsylvania's looking at a $5 billion budget gap that, that they have no idea how they're going to fill. They can't cut enough to fill it. And we know, all of us, that the revenues are way down because all of our businesses are way down. In our case, we've lost 100% of our revenue. We're not paying any taxes. We have nothing to pay taxes on. And if you multiply that times the number of small businesses who've lost all their business or a substantial portion of their business, we get it. And the state and the cities, they're counting on federal assistance. And again, it's all hung up because of D.C. I think if D.C. were to uh, do a new COVID relief package that relieved the budget challenges that Philadelphia and Pennsylvania have, we would see money for the arts. We would see money for small business. But right now, all that Pennsylvania has done with its CARES Act money outside of the humanitarian world, outside of schools and hospitals and nonprofits that are providing food and shelter, they've done a very small business relief package. That's for businesses with less, fewer than 25 employees and less than a million dollars a year in revenue. And we think that's great that they're supporting those very small businesses. But there's been nothing for businesses over a million dollars. And in terms of the arts and the nonprofits, the only program there has been has been something through the Department of Commerce at the Pennsylvania level for really large museums and the largest performing arts centers. Mm. Most of us couldn't qualify for that funding either. As opposed to other states, which have really done a lot more for their small businesses uh, and for the arts. But Mm. Pennsylvania isn't in a position to do that right now. We want to make sure that when, if and when they are, that we're in line and they recognize why we should get support. City of Philadelphia has been the same way. The, certainly the Department of Commerce and everybody in Philly, city council members are very supportive and don't want to lose us. But they have no money and no access to money. So all we can do is make sure that we're being heard. So right. long-winded way to say what your listeners can do is contact their local, um, their Pennsylvania state representatives, contact their Pennsylvania senators, Let them know how important your live music venues, your independent venues in their districts are to them and ask them to support Save Our Stages in Pennsylvania. Ask them to support the arts. Um, And in the city of Philadelphia, go to your city council people. Say how important this is to you, that you can't imagine a recovery without being able to go to these wonderful places. And that does make a difference. You know, call, email, fax them, That will help our cause because it's raising the profile. It's making the difference at a local level, state level, and the federal level. Right, right. In addition, if anybody feels generous or is looking for a tax deduction here as the year winds down, your favorite venues, World Cafe Live included, 
all have fundraisers up on their website mm-hmm. where you can donate to help us hang in there. Um, Neva at SaveOurStages.com. Uh, you will also see an opportunity to donate to the association. We have an emergency relief fund. We have a huge festival to raise money for that. Uh, we're doing everything we can to raise money for our members. So if you want to donate on the national level, those opportunities are available as well. If you can only do $25, don't think that doesn't matter. It matters. Every penny helps all of these vendors as we struggle to keep the flame lit. Right. I was actually just reading an article about the pandemic shutdowns and how much it's disproportionately hurting the arts. And I think even the term that they used in it was a cultural depression and the consequences of not having that escape, whether it be a small museum or a small venue or something like that. How does that speak to you, just knowing that people are talking about this and how it's affecting them? I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm an optimist and I always look for, for the silver linings. And I think that um, when we get to the other side of this pandemic, our current campaign for Save Our Stages is you don't know what it's got, what you've got till it's gone, the old Joni Mitchell tune. And I think that the arts will have an elevated respect level from the general community because you don't know what you've got till it's gone. And I think people really miss going to their museum, going to their gallery, going to their local venue. And to the extent we see continuation of failures of these institutions, if you will, and and these small and large organizations, it's going to really make people say, we can't let that happen again. And so I I think there's promise. I'm glad there's more talk about it. What I don't think there's enough talk about is the impact at the human level, the individual level, on the artists or on the gig workers. So, you know, my staff of 80 people are now looking at changing careers. It takes a lot to run venues. It takes people in accounting, and you know, people don't think this way. You go to a venue and you see somebody perform, and you say, oh, well, there's a production person and somebody took my ticket, and somebody served me a beer. 600 shows a year for a place like World Cafe Live, it takes a village. All of us working really hard. You don't think about the security, the housekeeping, the maintenance, the culinary back of the house that's bringing you your food, that's cooking your food, the front of the house that's bringing it to you, the planning that goes into each event, the programming that has to be done, the talent buying, the contract management, the marketing, the box office management, the accounting, and then all of the suppliers that support us in those efforts. And all those are real people with real lives, with real families to feed. And they're all out now looking for ways to continue to go forward, especially as unemployment is drying up. At the federal level in particular, all of the unemployment from the CARES package will be gone by the end of this year if action is taken. And then we get to the artist level. You know, nationally, 75% of artists, of, of I will say musicians in particular, income, comes from performing live. And they now can't perform live. The opportunity to earn their career is gone right now. Will it come back? Sure. And 
there'll be so many shows and so many artists and you know it'll be the roaring mid-20s like after the spanish flu at the roaring 20s mm -hmm. but it's going to take a few years in the meantime even big artists like i mentioned brandy carlisle they've sort of become companies they've got a crew they've got a team and they're trying to support them and keep them going certainly smaller artists regional artists artists that are trying to make it you know cds only only sell at your concerts people are downloading from streaming the income from streaming for artists is teeny they make a lot of money from selling cds and merches at their live concerts and they make most of their money from the ticket sales at live concerts so support your artists i don't if it's a local philly artist who's just was starting out support them i guarantee you they've got a gofundme page or something going on they've got merch for sale and even your big artists if you're a big fan of jason isbell or amos lee or philadelphia's mm -hmm. finest right go to the website and see what they need and what they're doing see their live streams and support them mm -hmm. these are real people with real teams with real crews all of whom really have had their revenue streams just shut down like taking a spigot and turning off the water flow. And it's been eight months. And it's scary because what's going to happen mm -hmm. to the ecosystem? How long does it take to turn the spigot? What if you turn the spigot back on and all you get is drip, 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 right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're looking at. I, I encourage your listeners to think about artists at that individual level and think about who they'd like to support and get out there and do it. If they're not organized charities they're not the red cross they can't mount a campaign there's i feel bad you know we now have this coalition of independent venues fighting the fight there's no similar coalition of independent artists mm -hmm. they kind of are on their own have you heard from any of the artists in particular or the bands that play there uh, yes my certainly my programming folks and talent buyers have thankfully with world cafe live we didn't talk about this our education programs have pivoted and we've continued to do those and to do them virtually. So we're thrilled that we're still very engaged with a lot of artists we work with because our Hill Friedman Academy program just released their fourth album, Lives That mm -hmm. Matter. And our Lullaby project that we do with Carnegie Hall is doing a second group of artists working with new moms and dads writing lullabies for their children, newborns. And we are working on a project that's been commissioned in honor of the social justice awakenings of this summer that we'll be announcing soon. So we are very dedicated to continuing to engage the artists, particularly the artists who are part of our education efforts uh, on an ongoing basis. And they're very appreciative of that. It's some money coming to them for the work they do with that. But in terms of performing artists, you know, we've done a few virtual live streams out of the venue. It's so difficult. We follow all of the protocols. We have on-site testing requirements. Their temperature's taken. They represent they don't have any symptoms. But still, it's a huge worry. And it's a huge expense to actually be able to follow the proper protocols and do a live stream from the venue. We're somewhat limited in what we can do for our artists. And we'd love to do some fundraisers for artists. But right now, honestly, the best thing we can do for our artists is to do everything we can to make sure that we can reopen with the other side of this thing. If there's no venue for them to perform in, then we're all really up the creek. Mm -hmm. 
And I guess I like how you mentioned, right, we're kind of going back into the roaring 20s, but also with uh, the social movements that have been happening. It's like the mix of like 60s, 20s, maybe moving forward. I guess, Hal, just as a last question, you know, what gives you hope moving forward? I mean, do you see that light at the end of the tunnel? And just what's your advice for people moving forward and knowing what's going on? I, I think at least now... With the, with the news we've had these past few weeks about the vaccines, there actually is an end in sight. I don't want anybody to think or misinterpret me as thinking that we're going to flick a switch. Not in our industry and not in lots of places are we going to flick a switch. It is going to take six months after the vaccines being distributed for the general public to have confidence to go to places and be close to people again. It's going to take at least six months. I actually think it's going to take two years. It's going to be a gradual ramp up to where people aren't afraid anymore. I think the younger you are, the more likely you are to get more comfortable more quickly. But we need everybody to get comfortable to make this ecosystem work. So I do think there's hope. I think that we have to be realistic. If the vaccine these vaccines, are some of them are approved by year end, then hopefully they're in distribution to those who need them most in the first quarter, which are the frontline workers and so forth. In the second quarter, hopefully there's available for people most at risk in terms of the older people and the people with various diseases. So that makes it next summer mm-hmm. before you really see the vaccine being broadly distributed to the general public. And that's why I think it's next September or October, so we can open without having to have people wear masks, without having to worry about social distancing. But we're going to have improved ventilation systems, lots of things that we've learned from this that I think are good in the long run, that are maybe practices we all should have had anyway. But again, it won't be a flick of a switch. And in our business, until the pipeline starts to fill up again, with events being planned and tours being planned, an artist being discovered, uh, that's, you know, I, I'm forecasting about a two-year time span from after we reopen until we look around and say, wow, this is like it was before the pandemic. But I'm hopeful. And and now I can look at this and say, okay, so now it's not infinite. We say now we know we need to bridge from November of 2020 to October of 2021. And the question is, can we do that or not? I think that it's true that 90% of our members will not be able to bridge that gap without significant federal relief in the next 90 days. And I think that relief will come. At worst, it will wait until there's a new administration and a new Congress installed in January. I really hope it doesn't take that long for some relief because there will be a lot of casualties between now and then if that's the case. But I do think that's the worst case scenario. No doubt there will be significant new COVID relief packages to help small businesses and hopefully help save our stages specifically. And I'll second those hopes. And I'm sure for many other people out there, can't wait to go to a concert again, especially in one of our indie venues in Philly, World Cafe Live especially. Can't wait to welcome you and your listeners back, Charlotte. (laughs) Thank you, Hal. Thank you so much for joining me again and giving me an update on what's going on. 
Certainly my pleasure. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Charlotte Reese, and we'll have another episode out soon. <laughs>